coming up on This Week in Games. Sony ditches E3, Microsoft has yet another console rumor, and Jam City makes a giant play in the mobile space. Coming up, This Week in Games. that time of the week for all your video game industry news rundown i'm your host here at mcconnell and welcome to this week in games let's jump right into it sony is ditching e3 2019 so the biggest consumer video game industry show will be missing the biggest console maker in 2019 and rumors are pointing to the fact that (laughs) it's pretty sad basically sony announced all their 2019 announcements in 2018 because nothing has changed they still have death stranding they still have the last of us 2 and they still have ghost of tsushima and they still don't have release dates for all three games so i mean the rumors basically say sony didn't want to embarrass themselves and waste all the money to do the exact same presentation as they did last year and there's a few quotes to come out of this press release sony said it is looking for quote innovative opportunities to engage the community that's just bullshit, and quote that Sony will not activate or hold a press conference around E3, so that's pretty interesting. I think we all remember when Nintendo ditched the on-stage press conference to do their Nintendo Directs, but they still are at E3. Nintendo will still have a giant, you know, landscape of E3. Sony claims they're not even going to be there, so uh, I guess the ESA isn't worried that E3 is going to get kind of like watered down without sony a lot of companies like ea you know have pop-ups around e3 but uh yeah no sony e3 this year it'll be weird next up microsoft rumored to launch a dick's free xbox in 2019 so we've had multiple microsoft rumors on consoles and whatnot this rumor says microsoft is ditching the disc in 2019 the console will also shave $100 off the cost, lowering it to $299, and they're basically just going to like, you know, you're going to download every game, and then all the existing games, let's say you for some reason own this disc-free Xbox and buy a disc game, then they're going to have some kind of system where you convert the game into, you know, a digital thing for your console. Pretty good move. Why do we have a disc anymore? You know, why are we even supporting disc selling stores like GameStop? Discs don't even hold the game. A lot of times you're like, the disc merely holds, I don't know, a tiny bit of the game, more or less the launcher for you to actually download the game. No reason to have disc anymore, guys. Like, let's move beyond this as an industry. Good job, Microsoft. And next up, this one's a biggie. This is... I don't know, my money for biggest news this week. Pretty exciting. Jam City and Disney ink a multi-year deal. So, Gamma Sutra is reporting, quote, Jam City now has the rights to create mobile games based on characters and story from both Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios. So, damn, good move by Jam City. So, for those of you who don't remember, Jam City was actually supposed to IPO, like, I think twice now. And the last one was rumored to happen this fall, and they, you know, went off that because they couldn't get whatever evaluation they wanted. I think it was rumored to be at two billion, maybe three or four billion. Anyways, they canceled the IPO. They saw big success with that IP money from Harry Potter, and you know this is clearly the move to position themselves and 
to a massive IPO. And you know what? They're probably giving up a ton of revenue, a ton of everything to get this deal inked, but it's worth it, you know? On top of that, Jam City is going to take over managing Disney Emoji Blitz, and member of Disney's Glendale Game Studio will move in with Jam City. Jam City is looking to start the partnership by developing a new game for the upcoming Frozen sequel. That's got to be exciting. Frozen was riveting. By riveting, I mean I still can't even explain what the plot of that movie was to anyone. But yeah, this is still a monstrous play for Jam City. You know, Jam City before this was really a one-trick pony um, with Cookie Jam. I guess maybe a one-and-a-half-trick pony with their Panda Pop game. And then they got the Harry Potter game that blew up revenue. And now they have this IP deal. You're making a Frozen sequel game that's probably going to come out like a week before the movie. You're just going to be printing money. Good job, Jam City. Smart move. All right. Some more news this week. This one's a bit of a downer for everyone. Blizzard reveals basically its mobile future. So reported by GameIndustry.biz, executive producer Alan Adham had a few uh, choice quotes for the future of Blizzard and mobile games. And let's start with the quotes. In terms of Blizzard's approach to mobile gaming, many of us over... The last few years have shifted from playing primarily desktop to playing many hours on mobile, and we have many of our best developers now working on new mobile titles across IPs. That that sounds fair, right? But then it gets worse. (laughs) Quote, some of them are working with external partners like Diablo Immortal. Many of them are being developed internally only, and we'll have information to share on those in the future. I will say also that we have more new products in development today at Blizzard than we've ever had in our history. Ooh, that's rough. I mean, there you have it. Blizzard is basically an owned by a shareholder company, you know, like the bottom line is the most important thing, getting the stock up. And right now, Activision stock isn't doing well, which I'll cover later on in the podcast. And, you know, now they're not beholden to deliver the best experience. They're not here to push game industry to the next level. They're here to get that Chinese market. Blizzard's huge in China. Blizzard's pretty much like maxed out their revenue in North America. And, you know, you can just kind of just milk those IPs. I wouldn't even be surprised if we see like a form of World of Warcraft on mobile that kind of auto plays itself because the fidelity of tapping isn't there to kind of translate the mouse and keyboard experience. But yeah, more of things to come from Blizzard. You know, I said it in my last podcast, I said in a few others, the, the Blizzard you love that made all the games that you love those people don't work there anymore those people don't work at blizzard okay blizzard's now like it's run by fanboys and their whole thing is the bottom line now so kind of more of the things to come so let's move to some business news and uh this is my second favorite piece of the week our favorite puzzle thq nordic has had an interesting week. So they've had a lot of press releases and a lot of stuff going down. For those who don't remember, THQ Nordic is a company that started off buying up old THQ IP. Um, when after, whenever THQ shut down, right, they went bankrupt, they shut down, they had all these IP laying around. This company spun up called THQ Nordic, bought up a bunch of IP, and then started acquiring companies and like third-tier IP, like alone in the dark, shit that hasn't even like made a game in years. And, uh, God, I, I feel like an idiot because let's dive into it. Let's start with their Q3 earnings. So revenue at THQ or, <laughs> THQ Nordic at 
$139.8 million, up 1,403%. Operating prop- profits, that's profits, people, at $9.9 million, up 278%. Jesus Christ, <laughs> all of this from crappy IP. So this was dr- driven mainly by the acquisition of Coke Media and Deep Silver, but they had a lot of IP buyouts that they also licensed out those IPs and made money. I don't know kind of like how the profits appeared, though. Like they had a slew, and by slew, I mean like 20 acquisitions last year. And there's more to come, but uh, let's take it away from the CEO and founder Lars Vingforce. He says, quote, we are patiently working on adding more great companies into the group, both developers and publishers. This is daily proactive activity within the parent company as well as within both operating groups. This is ridiculous. This dude won't stop acquiring companies, and he's actually turning a profit on it. And he did just that. So along with their Q3 earnings, THQ Nordic acquires Coffee Stain. They're the developers and publishers of Goat Simulator. And they've acquired them for $34.9 million with additional milestone-based bonuses if they hit their, like, you know, whatever their forecast projections are. That's great. Good job, Goat Simulator. You get, you get basically $35 million from Goat Simulator, man. Nice. THQ Nordic also acquires Bugbear, developers of Wreckfest, which is a racing game. Um, but that was for an undisclosed amount. THQ Nordic acquires also acquires the rights to the Expedition franchise, that's Expedition's Conquistador and Expedition's Vikings, and has greenlit um, a third installation of the series by series creator Logic Artists. Jesus, I'm honestly dumbfounded. How is this even profitable after like 20 studios and IP acquisitions just this year alone? And mainly of stuff people consider like C, D, and even F tier, like IPs and studios. And THQ Nordic, I mean, they're either magicians in the finance book by hiding debt and write downs, or they're geniuses in how they evaluate IP and company values. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. And they probably, I'm going with the latter, and they're probably like looking at these companies, running some numbers, going, oh, we can easily turn a profit on this, like alone in the dark IP <laughs> and then they're doing it and you know more the power to them and then THQ Nordic basically is a kind of like a force to watch from now on and I can't wait to see what they do in 2019 so I mean honestly good job THQ Nordic next up EA starts a hedge fund exodus Jesus this one was rough Bloomberg reports that nine hedge funds have exited their position and seven has downsized their position in Q3 in EA. So hedge funds, I don't I most people know what they are. I'll just go through it. Hedge funds are these giant companies, um, lots of day trading, lots of active traders, and they normally are who invest large swaths in these blue chip companies like EA. So you have hedge funds, mutual funds, and other types of funds. And they're like kind of like the main investors who hold like significant percent of a company like EA. And there's a giant exodus of them. And it started with the delay of Battlefield 5. And when EA delayed it to avoid competing against RDR2, which I actually thought was a pretty strategic decision. I don't know why that started kind of like the downfall of EA stock. But basically, the stock peaked at $146 at the end of July. And right now, while I'm recording this, it's all the way down to $85. That's ridiculous. And it's even worse when you compare it to its peers because... 
kind of EA, Activision, and Take-Two, all their stock is down 30 to 50%. I mean, it's crazy. Basically, like, the publicly held giants are falling. And I don't know why, and I don't know what's going on, because it's not like RDR2 didn't hit its mark. It's kind of, it's just weird. Like, all these publicly held giant publishers are falling. I mean, obviously, Epic's killing everyone, you know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, weird. Let's move on. Mythical Games raises $16 million. This is your standard raising story. So former Activision Blizzard employees raised some serious money led by Galaxy Digital's EOS VC fund. But they have some heavy hitters. So the studio was founded by former Activision CEO John Linden, former Activision CCO Jamie Jackson, um, a former senior producer at Blizzard, Ruby Coke and a former director of global product management at Yahoo, Stephen Cunningham. So I guess Mythical Games wants to develop a platform to sorry, introduce blockchain technology into player-owned economies, which you've heard this pitch before. Effectively provides ownership of digital items. It's a super common pitch. I'm actually kind of disappointed when you have these heavy hitters and this is the crap you put out. It's like whatever. Like, if any company's serious about putting blockchain technology into their economy or digital items to show ownership, they're just going to do it themselves. Why would they use this platform? I don't know. You know, I'm I'm doing a podcast. These guys are former CEOs, so clearly they know something I don't. <laughs> um, next up, speaking of knowing something I don't, I think I know something they don't, but Supercell invests $5.7 million into a smartwatch game developer. Uh, so everywhere games got a giant chunk of cash from Supercell. They're known for Field Day, Time Unit, Micropolis, and Runeblade. All of these are watch games. So like your Samsung Wear, your, you know, whatever, Apple Watch, iWatch, whatever the hell it's called. And, you know, whenever I read these stories, I the only thing that comes to my mind is I guess we're getting more creative with how we light money on fire these days. You know, maybe Supercell has some money to move around. They need to write down some, like, get some write-downs to go against, like, earnings this quarter. They're like, eh, we need to, like, burn 5.7 mil uh, watch company, you know? It's the only thing that comes to mind, people. All right, let's round out the rest of the news this week. Got all the heavy hitters out of the way. So we have Telltale Games get delisted on Steam as liquidation begins. This is pretty normal from a studio closure. Basically, they take them down off all the marketplaces. Someone will own the new games and decide what to do with them there. Tencent released its Q3 report, and uh, pretty basic. Despite China kind of like blocking all game licensing, revenue was up 7% at Tencent in the games division. Pretty interesting. Uh, kind of like the funniest story of the week. Magic Leap is hoping to buy AR devs to the tune of $500,000. So Magic Leap is offering AR grants for up to half a million dollars, and they're not even requiring you to give the IP or exclusivity of the release to Magic Leap. Honestly, Magic Leap needs to just like, <laughs> they got a, they got this giant piggy bank. They duped all these investors. Um, the product's in a shit show state. They're not going to get anyone with some half a million dollar grant. They just need to develop the stuff they're on. They need to create their own experiences, and they need to create that like must-have experience, that thing that everyone's going to buy a Magic Leap 1 for, because no one's going to do it on their own. Magic Leap has the tune of billions of dollars in their bank account, so 
it's up to them to do it. They need to make their own platform. All right. Finally, Capcom USA hires Rob Dyer as COO. Dyer has held leadership roles in a number of game companies, including Sony, Zynga, and Tapjoy, and he was recently the CEO of a merchandising firm he owned called Fankicks. And let's round out with bad news because, you know, whatever. Why not? Bad news. (laughs) Um, So Vancouver gets hit again. That poor city, and it's... Vancouver has the worst history with the game industry. You know, it's always like the first to close down at any company. So Vancouver's hit again. Bandai Namco, Vancouver shuts down. Bandai Namco is not naming a specific reason for the closure, and they're also not naming how many employees lost their jobs because of it. Kind of the studios mostly known for tech and mobile, but also Tap My Katamari, Pac-Man Bounce, and Pac-Man 256. So... Sad news in Vancouver and Flare Games, a German mobile publisher, lays off 45 staff members as the CEO steps down. So things are looking pretty rough in uh, Karush, Germany. There wasn't a specific reason, but Flare Games is basically planning to move from kind of like all exclusive operations where everything was done in-house from operations, marketing, and all other publishing services to more of a inclusive operations where they kind of like work with a bunch of smaller companies for all these services for all the games that they're publishing. So let's see how it works out for them. All right, guys, that's it. I'm Eric McConnell. I'm signing off. See you guys next week. Bye.